Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Yo, 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 what's up? It's your boy Howard Q hanging out with Double E Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Player. Hey, it's your girl Shayna J with SJ Entertainment here to fulfill all of your entertainment needs. And I'm with my girl Ina Esco with the Verbally Effective Podcast. Hey, 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 it's Ina Esco right here on WYXR 91.7 FM Memphis. Hey, check it out. Today we are live in the studio with Mr. Kevin Witted, and he is a former NBA player with the Mavericks, and he is also all about coaching and training and getting these players right. How are you, Kevin? I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. I am wonderful. Um, you know, um, me and Jay Henderson go way back. She is an absolutely amazing PR professional. And she told me about you and the amazing things that you've been doing. And she, she contacted me around the time the Big Three was coming up because you guys had a big event for the youth as well, right? Yes. So yes. tell me about that. Well, yeah, I mean, it was an event that designed around the Big Three. Uh, it was called the Young Three, which okay. is um, kind of a replica of what the Big Three does. Mm-hmm. Except we do it with uh, with the youth ages, which okay. we create a tournament style play. Along with the only thing we added was a skill development component, which you know, enhances it. You know, to give the kids some structure and formation on how to do things the right way mm-hmm. from a three on three standpoint, and also just overall help their game. Also help them from a community standpoint as well, educationally teaching them things outside of the game of basketball that that applies that kind of enhances all those things so that's what the event is about it's really a community event that mm-hmm. uh, we partner with ice cube to do yes i heard some amazing things about uh the entire event big three young three everybody that was at the mm-hmm. fedex forum looked like they had an amazing time yes yes it was great uh yeah. you know it's an event that's been going on for about three years now actually almost four now with mm-hmm. uh, the big three so Ice Cube's done a great job with it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's continuing to expand, and we're going to expand with it. Yeah, a lot of controversy surrounding Big Three as well. Um, mm-hmm. How does that affect Young Three? Why well, does it? It didn't affect us uh, directly. Uh, that was more or less a you know a, a issue that was going on with the FedEx form. Oh, they had okay. you know it was more or less a, a miscommunication. I feel like uh, from a ticket standpoint, it gotcha. was something that got rectified. Hopefully, mm-hmm. it won't happen again. Hopefully it uh, will. Yeah, it's just it, these <laughs> things happen uh, yeah. in the business. When you get in big business, these things happen, and, and you know, miscommunications can happen, which, in, you know, in, uh, impacts dollars, mm-hmm. which, you know, that, that, that impacts the business. So, yeah. you know, it's just something that I, I feel like the FedEx Forum and, and uh, the big three, I think it'll get cleared up. It's probably already cleared up. I'm the things you sure. always hear about the issue, <laughs> but you never hear about what's resolved. Right. And I think it's an issue that's already been resolved. So it, it, it move, you know, move forward and you grow from it. Gotcha. Well, Kevin, let's start at the beginning. Where are you originally from? From Wilmington, North Carolina. Wow. Tell yeah. me about you growing up in Wilmington, North Carolina. Well, like I said, it's an important city. Uh, the port cities where, you know, really, you know, the first economic boom happened for us, you know, post, you know, you know, civil, uh, civil war. So, I mean, the mm-hmm. city was one of the most important cities in the South at one time until uh, the early 1900s. So, you know, we were there. Everything was growing and 
you know, that's where I came from. That's the kind of the DNA of who I am. You know, my parents, you know, they're from there. My father's from there. My mother's about from about 45 minutes away from there in a, from Columbus County. Okay. And uh, I grew up in Wilmington. Went to E.A. Laney High School. Okay. Graduated to McDonald All-American. Went to the University of Tennessee. Wow. Wow. So you were hoping. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> had an extensive uh, basketball background. Okay. I was a water boy for Michael Jordan's high school team. Wow. My brother played with them. So he came up in the same community I came from, and uh, that gave me a chance to kind of see firsthand, you know, the work ethic it takes, you know, to make it and have opportunity to play at a high level. Yes, and now you mentioned Michael Jordan, so we going back to the nineties. We talking now this about is early eighties. This is early eighties. Yes, uh, uh, but when you entered the league for the NBA, this, this was nineties time yeah, frame, correct? Yes, yeah, about mid nineties. Okay. I came out of college in ninety five. Ninety five. I didn't get there directly. I went okay. overseas first for a couple of years and played. Okay. Because I was undrafted. So I came in through the back door. Okay. The way it is today is different. They have the G League. They had all these, they got all a lot these components. Going on. Yeah, where <laughs> you know, kids have opportunity now to kind of expose their skills and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and horn in on some things before they get to that level. Where when I came out of college, it was either league or bus. League or, or you bus. go to Europe. Wow. Uh, you know, we had the CBA at that time, but it was going through financial difficulties. And I was going to go that route. But I ended up going to Europe. I played there a couple of years and... You know, I was fortunate enough to be seen in California uh, by Jim Clemens. He was the head coach of the, the Mavericks at the time. We were in Long Beach. I had opportunity to, to play in front of him, mm-hmm. which gave me an invite to uh, play with their summer league roster. And from there, everything ballooned to me going to training camp, to making it, and here we go. I mean, that, that's go. that's how it goes. Uh, being in the right place at the right time, but being yeah. prepared. Unfortunately, it didn't work out uh, as long as I wanted it to work out. You know, mm-hmm. they cut you. And then they bring you back. Uh, Ten-day contract is something of the past. We used to wow. have – that was huge at ten, that time. Ten-day that, deal. Ten-day deal. Yes. I've never so heard we, of a ten-day deal. Yeah, that's, that was huge in the 90s. Okay. All the way probably through the, most of the early 2000s. But mm-hmm. once the G League became apparent that it was going to be the filtering system for the league, they became – they started two-way in players. And that happened later in my coaching career. But early on, you would get a 10-day deal, and they would kind of view you and see where you were, see where your skills were, and see if you would be a benefit to a team mm-hmm. or to the team you're going to. Uh, unfortunately, I went through that situation a few times with a couple of teams. And then I went back to Europe to finish my career. Okay. And once I went over there, uh, once I was over back in Europe, I started realizing that, you know, things were changing for me. I felt like I wanted to stay a part of the game. And, you know, having a, a child early on uh, in my life, you know, my daughter that's in the pros now, I wanted to be home with her okay. to give her a chance to, you know, to be around me at some point and learn and, and, and grow as a player as well. So coming home, I figured I had to stay involved with the game. So I started what we call skill development, mm. which brought me to where I am today. It started over in Europe, you know, kind of haphazardly trying to find something to do. Mm-hmm. And then when I got home, I seriously got involved with it. At the time she was about four years old. And then all of a sudden it, it became my career. Wow, wow, interesting. So, yeah, you just schooled me on some things that happened back in the day from Mm -hmm. a contractual level, right? Let's talk a minute about some of the things that you've seen over the years transform with the NBA, just some of the rules. I know you mentioned G League, how Mm -hmm. athletes enter into um, the league now, even just like college players from an endorsement level. Mm -hmm. But let's just stick with the NBA right now with some of the rules that have changed. Because back in the 90s, baby, they were was playing playing and uh very physical yes so i would say things are different now well i mean the hand checking rule impacted the game a lot Mm -hmm. uh i think 
you know, it was that's why the physicality was there. We were allowed to bump more, mm-hmm. and and where they, they, today analytics is now uh, huge. Where you know they they want to see an increase of three point shooting. They want the game to become faster, which kind of eliminates a lot of the defensive strategies that that were emphasized in the uh, early '80s by Pat Riley to Larry mm-hmm. Brown, Lenny Wilkins, all those guys. They they had schemes. Mm-hmm. I played for a defensive tactician, Kevin O'Neill, so mm-hmm. he was probably at the apex of what that part of that era was from a defensive standpoint. And we benefited the most from it. And it changed dramatically around mm-hmm. 2005. That's when we saw the shift because the hand-checking rule went out. And then as we got closer into, you know, what we call modern day of today, now positionless basketball is taking its place now, which it actually started in Europe. You know, mm-hmm. we saw bigs and people of multiple uh, sizes playing different positions where in America we were still kind of fixated on just playing a certain style, a certain position. So all those things have impacted the game dramatically. Wow. Interesting. Interesting. Even um, from a collegiate level now, um, you know, student athletes can come in and make money off of their brand that Mm -hmm. they've built. How do you feel about that? It's good and bad. Um, I think we're we're still working through the kinks of it. Uh, It's, it's a good thing because it's necessary, but at the same time, it needs to be, it needs, it, it needs to be managed properly. And I think, uh, I think they're doing a good job right now of trying to manage it. I think uh, we'll get better in the next five to ten years with it, in terms of making sure that you know kids are, they're learning the business before they get involved with the business. Mm. Uh, that's an early, that's an early time, eighteen years of age, mm-hmm. without having uh, the, the business courses to understand how to how to, to go about. Uh, putting yourself in position to make uh, money outside of the game. So early, I think early education, I think, needs to be in place first for, you know, seven to eight years before we allow certain things to come to place. I think the pressure was so high that they had to make a move immediately because it was so much scrutiny behind it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think I think, in, in the long run it'll be a good thing. It just needs to be managed a little better. I mean, you just think if, you know, we had image and likeness, in the time where HBCUs were thriving with, yes. uh, in the early days with Earl the Pearl Monroe and all those guys. Right. I mean, we can go all the way back. Right. I mean, it, it goes back to that. And those guys didn't get a chance to profit at all. Yeah. Uh, and, but at the same time, you know, they weren't seen as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can think about Peyton Manning. I went to Tennessee with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the money that was generated around him was so in- incredible. It's still being generated. Still. Yeah. But uh, that, that's, <laughs> that's the way it works. I mean, money was, I mean, when I was in college, I remember seeing my jersey in the store, my last name on it. What did you think when you saw your jersey in the store? Like, well, I was just excited. Okay. You didn't like, I need 15% no, of this. No, <laughs> I wasn't even, it wasn't even in my conscience. And the thing is, that, gotcha. that's amazing. What Ed O'Bannon really, put the conscious in everyone you know he came out the same year I did it you know high mm-hmm. school he was all American as well went to UCLA won the national title in 95 mm-hmm. and they created the first gaming that's when gaming became gaming important. is so yes. huge so when they put his image and likeness on there mm-hmm. in the UCLA team and they marketed it and created what we call the college NCAA tournament from a gaming standpoint that's where everything with the eyes started to open, like, wow, I mean, they're making money. Yeah, and he, big he money. Wasn't, and he said, we're not getting a dime. Yeah. And then the, you know, then the Fab Five came out in 92, and they really exposed what we call the issue of the NC2A tournament, mm. you know, and why athletes need to be compensated. Yeah. Because of, you know, what they're doing, the money they're generating. Yeah. You know? So we understand. It's just, you know, it's something that should have happened 25 years ago. But Ooh-wee. You know, it is what it is. It is what it is. So we're learning. Yeah. And I think the impact of social media has yes. really exposed um, 
I guess you as an individual more, your personality and mm-hmm. what you bring to the table. So, you know, back then when no social media was involved, you know, we only saw you on TV. That's right. Or at press conferences or, you know. Yeah, but things changed with the VCR. See, y'all started. I mean, yeah. We're a VCR. I'm 52, so we started. I'm a VCR person. I was a VCR person, yeah, so too. We, yeah, so we got our first VCR in 84. That was mm-hmm. YouTube to us. Yeah, that it gave was. Us, that gave us a it chance was. to record and go back. Yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, before, I mean, just... yeah. Like we wake up Saturday morning yeah. and you know we wanted to watch Soul Train and we had to we had to catch <laughs> that move. If you missed it, you had to wait the next Saturday to see it. But Older once days. I got that VCR, that mm-hmm. was it. Yeah. So it's the same thing when it came to basketball. You know, we were able to record games, look mm-hmm. at them. So we were able to regurgitate information yeah. consistently over and over. And this was pre-social media, but now it's at the click of a button. Yeah. So you can actually see it sitting here right now. Yeah. Besides waiting to get home. So, it's amazing. Yeah, so it's a, it's a different time. It's totally amazing. Um, I am a graduate of HBCU here in Memphis, Lamorne on College, and I'm okay. a former athlete. I played volleyball NCAA uh, with Lamorne on College, cool. and we just had a uh, alumni game. When I tell you, <laughs> I saw them girls dipping and diving on the floor. I was like, uh, when y'all get real tired, I'll sub in for y'all because mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. are just different now, right? Yes. Do you still play? Yes, I'm still like involved. at a big high level. Well, not at the highest level, but I'm still yeah. playing every day because I'm playing, you know, with the, my clients that I gotcha. work out with, particularly the college and pro athletes. Yeah. So we had a number of them in all summer. So I spent basically my mornings are devoted to working with them. Yeah. And our company is set up that way, where I can come in in the mornings and work with our pro and college athletes in the summer and spring, mm-hmm. and in the fall. Uh, I, I go back to working with what we call our intermediates, which is our high school and our beginners. But okay. I try to stay, I try to keep my hands on all of it at the same time. Yeah, we have a to. big staff, but uh, it keeps me abreast on things. And I, I try to stay as active as possible and try to work out every day to, you know, to make sure that I'm in this, the condition I need to be in to uh, participate. Gotcha. Because when we get to a certain age, even if you're a former athlete or not, you have to stay in shape. I mean, you got these kids because my kids, they, they both play um, sports. I mean, you have to just from a health perspective as well. Also so, nutritionally. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so no, that's huge. Nutrition is huge, especially huge. at our age. So you teach that as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we, well, what I want to know, Kevin, is how did you get to Memphis, Tennessee? Wow. Well, my wife. Okay. Uh, she's from here. Okay. I'm from North Carolina. Obviously, we already talked about it. But she, you know, she grew up here, uh, Hamilton graduate. Okay. And, uh, she uh, she was t- took a contract here uh, when I was working in uh, Springfield mm-hmm. uh, in the G League, uh, partnering with the Nets. And when that job ended, she was she came here because she was doing a contract and I came here and I said, Look, I'll just we'll stay here for a little while while you work in this contract. It was mm-hmm. a pretty good contract at the time and you know, I was here to support her. You know, she's always following me and supporting me. It was my turn to kind of follow her and, and, and see see her through this. Uh this was an exciting time for her and when we when we got here I saw how rich mm-hmm. which I already knew the basketball community was here and I just kinda got started, you know, haphazardly training a little bit because we were already established already as a business but I just didn't I hadn't done it here because I was busy coaching you know at the various stops that I had mm-hmm. uh, once I got started I saw the love and the passion in the community for the game and I was able to get connected quickly and I found myself you know down with the Grizzlies which you know we were supposed to be here six months and all of a sudden I'm volunteering with the Grizzlies uh, and and I started my business mm-hmm. from that standpoint on I, I started figuring out hey you know this is my niche I really you know, like the city, 
and everything just kind of started from there and that's how that's how we got to memphis okay so that's when when you got to memphis and figured all those things out that's when it started and what type of services do you provide kevin well a number of services you know our primary service you know is one-on-one training uh we 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 try to bring you know players in and and identify things it's almost like coming to motown Mm -hmm. uh if if, you know if young people don't know who motown is you know you come to motown they they try to figure out your sound before mm-hmm. they they put you in the the room where you see the mics and everything and, and it's time to make a song. So what we try to do is bring athletes in and identify early their strengths and weaknesses, teach them how to do everything: ball handling, shooting, footwork, uh, all the things around the game, hand-eye coordination. Before we introduce them to certain things, once we establish you, once we find out what you do, then we try to put you in a position to do what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, and that could be a, yeah, a perimeter position. You could play at the post position. You can kind of be a hybrid player where you're doing both. So we kind of, you know, we try to work around all those things. And what we do, we have a staff that's set up to kind of help players step by step. You know, we have a beginner staff, an intermediate staff, an advanced staff, and we have a pro uh, staff. I handle all the pro players. Uh, And then we have uh, players that deal with our high school and our intermediates, which is our smaller kids, all the way down to the, the babies that come in the door. We normally start at the age of eight, and we work our way up to the professional ranks. Wow. And, and something that I've noticed over the years uh, with my son playing basketball, he just graduated from high school, but uh, we were in the AAU circuit. Mm-hmm. And that is a job in itself, uh, getting your kids, the money involved. Um, but this is big business. Yes, it's tough. AAU basketball is tough. Uh, yes, it is. I'm, I like it and I don't like it at the same time. I think it, uh, it's exploitation to a certain degree because – uh, sometimes kids are just not prepared to be there. I'm mm-hmm. a proponent of if you're prepared to perform, then you can perform. Mm-hmm. If you're not, you don't need to be on that stage because it's too much. And if you're not emotionally and physically ready for the grind and what it takes to perform in front of the, those T-shirts when they're sitting there watching, you know, you don't need to be there. And a lot of parents get caught up uh, on organizations where they, uh, kids are taken and they, they're, they're getting involved and they're, they're taking money from parents. Oh. And, and uh, it, it's kind of it's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to circumvent that by interviewing and talking to uh, parents as much as possible. You know, I have a child right now in the process. She's 16. She's being heavily recruited. But we took our time. We did it a different way. You know, we, we didn't get her involved early on with a lot of, a lot of things that were just counterproductive. We mm-hmm. waited until she, her skills and her abilities were in a position where she could perform and do it on call. Gotcha. So she went through the machine that, mm-hmm. that, that, you, that most athletes need to go through, you know, being mentally and physically ready. So when, that, when the moment happens, you're already prepared. You've seen it a million times where a lot of things are going on right now in the AU. So your kids are seeing things, being exposed to things they're not even ready for emotionally mm-hmm. and physically, and the parents involved, and, you know, they're investing in it. And we're not taking the time to, you know, where I, I'm not a part of it, but – they haven't, there hasn't been a, a clear process of how to, you know, educate the parent on how to get kids involved in the right structured system to help their kids be exposed to the right things to get them ready for that. So mm-hmm. it's tough. It is tough. Um, why would I want my child to go through the Kevin Witted basketball services versus AAU route? Well, you, 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 AAU is still necessary. Okay. It's, it's not what you, you – you're going to have to go through that because that's gotcha. where it is. It's just being prepared. Being prepared. Uh, a company like ours helps student athletes prepare for it. We, gotcha. help, we help kids and parents. Mm-hmm. You know, we educate them on the full process 
and it, it starts with the basics. You know, mm-hmm. under, you know, let's first find out what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we got to how do you do it? You know, yeah. and, and when. So and, full and then, assessment. Yes, and why. <laughs> you know, and when you learn yeah. those things, then, then that process will be completed to the point where you'll be able to do that. I don't think AU basketball for serious basketball players is important until you get to the age of 12. Age of 12. Yeah, because by that time you've, you've, has, you've went through a first you, – you've, you've gone through a couple of things. You've taken some bumps. Uh, you're emotionally kind of ready for the, the moment. Um, for on the boys' side, they've typically gone through one growth spurt at that point or they're approaching yeah. it. So, you know, you, the girls, same factor. Um, they mature, you know, sometimes a little early, a little later. Mm-hmm. So I think after 12 is the time you really should be introduced to that and keep it local, mm-hmm. I think. You know, I, I think local and regional uh, tournaments are really good for kids at that age. The mm-hmm. time you hit 14 and 15, that's when you, it's time to go in front of the national scope. Mm-hmm. Of, of being looked because by that time you've had a chance to really grow as a player. Uh, you've had a chance to see what it takes. Uh, and, and our development system is important. Yeah. And that's where, we, that's where we help the most with our company. We, we kind of help that development side. So when you arrive and you go to that team, you're prepared. You're not there just to you know, kind of help a team. You're there to kind of carry a team. Gotcha. And you have to have those attributes and those, those things taught early on. And that the age that you want to get them is between the age of eight to about twelve. Yeah. That, that's a critical time to, to establish those early foundational things. Yeah. And then it's time to take off from there. Yeah, I have a nine-year-old son. He's about to be ten, and he is big into baseball right now. Mm-hmm. Now he's played basketball. He likes it. But uh, comparing him to my older son, as soon as he picked up a ball and had played other sports, it was over for all other sports. And mm-hmm. I see that a lot with kids when they pick up a basketball. It's something about basketball that they're immediately drawn to and want to forget all the other sports. Mm-hmm. Why well, is that? Well, I mean, it's such a, you know, uh, the, the sport is so in your face. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, especially in the African-American community. You know, basketball is, 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 is almost like watching dance now. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's replayed. It's talked about. Uh, it's 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 a sexy sport. Yeah. Uh, to a certain degree. So um, that that's why uh, people are drawn to it instantly because you can touch it. You can get close to it. Mm-hmm. The other sports, you're still far away. Yeah. Where basketball, you can literally touch a person right there in front of you. You can see it. It's instant. It's like going to a concert, mm-hmm. and you get the immediate gratification. You know. And, and and you get the immediate excitement from something because they're excited. You can they can look at you, and you can look at them. It's a connection. Yeah. So that that's why the game is so. Uh, that's that's why people are they draw to it so quickly. Yeah, and they have huge hoop dreams. Um, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of them think they immediately go into the NBA, or th- mm-hmm. that's what they hope and strive for. But what is the percentage of? The kids that actually do go to the NBA. It's less than 2%. Less than so, 2%. So if you're talking about, yeah, you come in a room, you got 10 players. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe out of 10, six, I say seven would get to college. Um, four will play. Maybe three will play after college. Mm-hmm. You know, two will play in Europe and maybe one out of those seven will make it to the NBA. That's wow. that's how it works. And it might yeah. be smaller than that now. I mean, you this might. was just a, I'm I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But uh that's how, you know, the that's how small the percentage is now. It's so tough now. Uh but the only difference is today there are other avenues that could give a kid that can extend the opportunity. Where before, you know, you would just shut out. 
And uh, the big thing about our company, what we try to emphasize, we we teach those you know those things to our players that you're going. To, it's going to be a small number of you, mm-hmm. you know, but you're not here just to become an NBA player. You're here to learn all the other aspects about the game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, when I worked for Nike for eight years, I remember a couple of kids wanted to come to camp with me, and they weren't really that talented. Mm-hmm. They weren't invited to the camp. I said, no, still come to the camp. They said, well, why? I'm not going to play. I said, I mean, I'm a t- I'll explain why when you get there. When they got there, I took them to a room. And in the back room, everyone was back there from social media experts yes. to business-minded uh, people, people that were handling you know, their legal affairs. I, I said, all these people play basketball you see in the room. Mm-hmm. And they finished playing high school basketball, but they went in other endeavors that yeah. were connected to the game. So your experiences – from those from that time playing will help you in these other areas. So there are multiple jobs within the NBA that you can you can do, mm-hmm. but you need the experience of playing so you can relate and you, have, and you can have that intelligent conversation that you need to have in order to stay in the room with a, a LeBron James when you meet him. You know, if you look at his team, everyone on his team that that is with him that they made money with, all those guys are diverse. Yes. And they come from diverse backgrounds, but they all are connected to him through the game of basketball. They've yes. already played at some level. So that's where it is. So we try to ed- try to educate kids and even our players that are playing now about that now, even the ones that are great. You know, get involved with other endeavors. Find out more about the game. Find out the things that are going on within the game that impacts the game. Yeah, because it's a lot um, that impacts the game. A lot of different roles one could play uh, within this whole basketball space. Um, one of the things that I'm very interested in knowing is through your program, I know you focus on developmental needs. What would you say out of everything you teach, what is the number one, um, I guess, developmental need that you're constantly ingraining in these kids? Is it one thing or is it a multitude of things? It's a, it's, it's a number of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing that jumps out is, you know, getting a player, you know, comfortable. You know, that's the thing, and and being, I would say, learning how to be comfortable when you're uncomfortable. Mm. I think that's the main thing that I emphasize a lot because most in most t- cases when you're involved with what I'm involved with, you're going to be uncomfortable, but you have to learn to become comfortable. So, we, you know, we have different strategies to do that. We, you know, we do word associations where we can kind of explain to kids, you know, the importance of that, and we, by using word association, it centers them and brings them to a place where they can uh, – can effectively think and react in that, at that time. And those things wow. have to be trained. So those are things that we, we, we work with kids on. It's just as much as important as we working on ball handling and shooting, you know, which is the core things that we, you come in for, ball handling, shooting, footwork, game-related activity. Though, that's just the surface. But uh, the main thing we try to make sure is that, you know, kids are, are, you know, we deal with them from the neck up. So because those things won't even matter if you're not strong, you know, mentally. Mm-hmm. I heard you mention at the beginning of the interview that your daughter plays pro right now. I have, yeah, my oldest daughter. She's, Where did she play? Well, she she was a high school All American. Wow. Went to Penn State. Uh, and when she finished at Penn State, she went to Europe and played in uh, Greece. She's played in wow Romania to mm-hmm. uh, Italy. She's oh, been wow. in. She's a citizen now in Indonesia. Indonesia. Uh, yeah, she's on the uh, national team. They won mm-hmm. gold this summer. Uh, for the qualifiers, uh, she's now in uh, Brussels mm-hmm. um, uh, playing for Numor. So, uh, yeah, she's doing great. She's in her entering her seventh season now. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's doing, you know, she's having a great career, and uh, she's going to probably fall right back into what we're doing after this. You know, she's starting to, you know, starting to tr- 
starting to move in the direction of, you know, the other outside of things for the game in terms of yeah. coaching, everything. So she's she's growing as yeah. a player and I, um, as I'm, a business woman. I know you and your wife are extremely proud of her. Um, and I know you have probably a lot of success stories from your business. What what could you tell me about one of your biggest success stories from your program? Well, the, the biggest success story, you know, currently right now, I mean, we've been in business since 2003. Mm -hmm. uh, of, you know, I, I, I got involved. I started actually in 98. I was a pioneer. In 2003, we came and, you know, we created Kevin Whitted Basketball Services. Started off as Get Whitted Hoops, mm -hmm. <laughs> which uh, was a, a catching name. But, yeah. uh, but uh, the biggest accomplishment is when we opened our new facility because uh, the pandemic, before the pandemic, uh, uh, came we we were in a facility training for five or six years here and everything kind of grew but it came to a scratching halt when the, the pandemic came mm -hmm. and we had to move out of the facility because it was purchased by a builder and once we moved out we had nowhere to go so we had to really start all over again and the facility that I'm in now I, I have Harrison went over there during the pandemic just to kind of get in you know, to work with a player because there were no spaces available. We, we were only in there 10 minutes. Mm. And when I was sitting in there, I saw the space and I said, man, man, I could do something with this. Mm -hmm. And when I saw it, I was like, this is where we need to be. I'm going to reinvest and we're going to, you know, we're gonna get smart. We're going to sit down. We're going to, you know, think about how to, how to devise a, a, a great program at the same time, build a space out that really is uh, conclusive where we can really get everything done in a smaller capacity versus doing things you know in a, this huge huge space we can mm -hmm. actually bring it down to a smaller space and get probably more accomplished yeah and once we were able to do that that was a big that was a big thing for us so in 21 was a big year for us and we opened that facility in may and we've been rolling ever since yeah that pandemic changed a lot and you know really made business owners and everyone in general just reframe you know what are we doing what can mm -hmm. we do better um especially from a business standpoint, uh, so many people have just rebranded mm -hmm. and made their business much better. Well, it made us stop. Yeah. And that's what, that's uh, what we were doing before. If we didn't stop, we were going to run ourselves in the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, stopping gave us a chance to refocus. It gave us a chance to maximize all the things that, that were presently in front of us. You know, the internet was our greatest friend because we were able to move our business, you know, internationally. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when, during the pandemic, when we couldn't move, no one could move, people still wanted to train. Mm. So we became an oh internet my. business. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, which gave me, a, then it gave me a chance to do what I'm doing now. It gave me a chance to speak more. I got a chance to use the other skills that I have in terms of being able to communicate effectively with people, you know, through Zoom calls, mm -hmm. you know, people asking questions about recruitment, et cetera, which that expanded our brand. Yes. So when the time everything opened back up, we opened our facility, I was able to now bring all those things to that facility and, 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 and actually touch people again. And it, it actually made our business that much better. And it made me a better, uh, better coach and a better uh, person in terms of, you know, delivering information because that time not being able to physically do it, you now have to do it with your brain. Yes. And do it with your speech. For sure. Um, you know, we have a lot of big things coming up in Memphis, like the Southern Heritage Classic. Will you be involved in any capacity Yes. With the Classic Weekend? Yes, I think we're going to the Golf Classic. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to obviously go to the game, you mm -hmm. know, and the tailgate and all that stuff. We, we have a few events that, you know, my publicist and, uh, and my wife are going to pull me to. But uh, I'll definitely yes. be there anyway. I mean, I'm going regardless. Did you see the big win with Deion Sanders 
with Colorado, the yes. first game. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge, and there were so many naysayers, uh, so many sports commentators really didn't think that he would pull this off. Mm-hmm. And I just love the fact that he pulled it off and the way that he recruited his players mm-hmm. and made it work. What do you have to say about that entire situation? This is a hot topic right now. It's, it's really not surprising for me. Because uh, he did it at JSU. Yeah, I mean, like I said, when you call to do something, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. It's a grace on him to do what he does. I mean, when people hear grace, they don't know, understand what that means. That means unmerited favor. Yes. You know, that's when you, you walk in the door and, and it's sweatless. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, even though he's doing the work, he's working to, at what's already finished for him. So this mm-hmm. is, you know, and his body's been through it. I mean, people... People still don't talk about that a lot, the things he's gone through physically, yes. you know, to even get to even where he now. is. And he was jogging out on that field. Yeah. So that lets you know that, you know, the hand is on him. But, uh, he, he's, he, you know, he, he's that type of guy. He's a great motivator. Uh, he's, he's great at organization. They're going to succeed, you know. And his famous thing, he said, we coming. Yes. Like, we coming. <laughs> he did. You know, so, and the thing is, you know, now is that we here. That's the slogan mm-hmm. now. And the thing is, he, he's always been there. So yeah. it doesn't matter where he goes, he's going to succeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were so proud of him. Big story, though. Big story. Big story. We're still talking about it. Well, Kevin, we really appreciate you here on the Verbally Effective Podcast. We've learned so much about your journey. How can people sign up with Kevin Witted Basketball Services? They can find us on Instagram, uh, Kevin Witted Basketball. You can DM us or call us. Uh, you can also uh, see us on our website as well, KevinWittedBasketball.com. Mm-hmm. You can always reach out to us, you know, through our website as well. Uh, we're on Facebook, Kevin Witted Basketball Services, and our phone number is 888-780-2216. That's All how you right. can find us. So. Well, amazing. Um, I really appreciate you for coming here on the Verbally Effective Podcast. As a former athlete, I know how important it was for me to be disciplined with being an athlete. It taught me a lot of discipline. Um, And, you know, just carrying that over to my children. I see the focus. I see how it grounds them. Any final words you would like to say before we depart the podcast about Kevin Witted Basketball Service or just any advice for student athletes, athletes at a collegiate level, even professional players? Well, I mean, the thing I would say is, you know, be true to yourself. Um, look in the mirror every day. Ask yourself, are you doing everything necessary to be successful? Um, be, um, be driven, uh, but at the same time, you know, know where you're heading. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, you know, we get up and we're, we're driving somewhere. We had no idea where we're heading. And that's not good. You need to have you need to have a navigational system. Yes, you do. And, and know where you're heading. So, you know, when you have to make lefts and rights, you still know how to get back on the main road. So that, that's my message to, you know, young people, knowing how to get back to that interstate mm-hmm. so you can get back in line. Yes, uh, sir. Because you're going to make mistakes along the way. It's, it's, all, it's a journey. Uh, it's going to be some accidents. You know, you're going to run into some red lights. Mm-hmm. You're going to sometimes come to a yellow light. Okay. And sometimes, you, I mean, slow down. So um, that, that's really my message. I mean, everything is a process. And allow yourself to, you know, make mistakes, but at the same time, surround yourself around wisdom and people that can guide and give you direction of where you need to be. 
Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate you for coming on the Verbally Effective Podcast today. Kevin Witted with Kevin Witted Basketball Services. Make sure you guys check him out and have an amazing Tuesday. I know you guys, some of you all out there are probably still not laboring today. But hey, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on all streaming platforms. I'll check back in with you all on Sunday for Musically Effective. Take care.